0: Father, I want to thank you again for your love and your mercy in our lives and, and for your leading, how you always give us uh, just uh, uh, what we need at the right time. And sometimes we uh, don't know what we need, but Father, you are such a good Father that you always know exactly what we need. And so, Lord, we want to pray that you would uh, speak to us now exactly what each one of us needs to hear at this moment in our life. Amen. Amen. All right, so our, our study today is in, is in uh, Exodus chapter 16, and, and we're going to learn three lessons, and I'm going to tell you the three lessons we're going to learn um, before we even get started so that you have those in your mind as we get going. We're going to learn about manna today. Anyone know what manna is? Yeah, it's the... Yeah, John, what, what do you think it is, buddy? That's right, it's kind of like that, like a coriander seed. It's a, it's a little seed and it's going to fall from heaven and we're going to see that it's, it's a supernatural food. So the, the, we're going to learn three lessons about manna today. And the first one is that manna was supernatural. Uh, it wasn't, uh, didn't grow in a plant. It came directly from the hand of God, from heaven. Okay, number two, we're going to learn that manna was given every day. Every day. We're going to see that for uh, an, some important reasons. And then number three, we're going to learn that manna was supposed to be eaten. Don't play with your food, right? You're supposed to eat it. And those might seem very simple uh, observations, but as we really dig in, we're going to see that there's some amazing lessons for us today from this scripture. Um, so I got a joke for you. Why is manna from heaven like horse hay? Both are from aloft. Aloft. But... Um, sh- I liked it. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and get into our text, and we'll just uh, start right off by reading um, how, it, how we look at it. here. Uh, so ch- chapter 16, verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. So as you guys remember, they were slaves in Egypt, they were set free by the Lord, they got to uh, the Red Sea at the end of the road, feeling like they were stuck and and, and at the end, and God delivered them finally from all their enemies. And so they've been delivered from everything that held them captive before. And now they've gone, and and they journeyed three days into the wilderness, and they came to the the bitter springs of Mara, you remember that last week? And how at these bitter springs, they they were so just, oh man, I need something to drink. So they drank this water and it was bitter. And the Lord's like, the Lord says it was a test. He was testing to see if they would keep looking to him and keep trusting him or they're going to drink the first thing that came along. And what they do, they failed miserably and they drank the first thing that came along. And then they were so angry. But the Lord in his gracious love showed them a tree, which represented what? the cross, and they were supposed to cast the tree in, and it made those bitter waters sweet. God was so loving and gracious to them. So now they've left from Elam, right there. They, they went a little further to Elam where there was 12 uh, palm trees, and, and, or 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they now have gone halfway to their destination, which their destination is Sinai which is this mountain that God promised them they would serve him at Mount Sinai. And they're going to get the Ten Commandments, and there's all kinds of exciting stuff we're going to see at Sinai. But their journey to get there, we are exactly halfway there right now. And now it continues on, and it says, And the whole congregation of Israel complained. Have we seen that before? Yeah, we're going to see it again. Against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died! By the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, the whole assembly with hunger. So they have a complaint and their complaint is, we are hungry. Is God trying to kill them with hunger? No. But are they hungry? Yes, they are hungry. So God has allowed them to get hungry, to get to a place where they feel their need. They feel their need. And that's a really important thing for us to understand is that when you get to a place in your life where you're not happy anymore and you have come to a place of frustration, maybe you feel like it's the end, God knows all about that and God is is right there with you And that hunger is not the problem, that hunger is not the enemy, it's put there so that God could meet the need. God put that hunger there so that he could be your savior, so that he could take care of this need. Is God trying to kill them with hunger? No, we know that. Why? Because we know God's character. God loves people. He doesn't want to kill them, right? Remember when Jesus was uh, walking through a city and they were going to stop and stay the night there and, and, and the city people of that city were like, yeah, we'd rather you not stay the night here. We don't really like you that much. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven and kill them all? And Jesus is like, you guys have no clue. You guys have no idea what spirit you're of. He said, I am not here to destroy people. I've come to save people. I love people. And so they, as they're walking along in the desert right now, they feel this hunger, but they don't yet know God's character. They, they hardly know God's name. They barely know. He's just delivered them. They, they called upon him, and he delivered them. That's all that they know, and they, they don't know his character, that he is love. And let me tell you what, guys. You come to church every week. Maybe not every week, but you come to church a lot, and you open up the Bible, and, you, and you, you study God to learn his character. Learning that character is so important, because when you feel the hunger and your life starts to fall apart, you will know, God is not against me. This is not to destroy me, but God is fighting for me, and yes, he's allowing me f- to feel hunger, but I'm going to learn the lesson that these guys should have learned, which is I'm going to, instead of complaining, I'm going to put my trust in him, okay? Okay? So let's see what happens. So they don't know God's love and character yet, and they exaggerate or lie about how good it was in Egypt. When they were in Egypt, were they ever like, well, we're slaves and we're being whipped and killed every day, but at least we got this pot. I mean, these pots. That was totally a Colorado joke. Come on, guys. (laughs) Uh, They exaggerated how good it was in Egypt, not Colorado, in Egypt. And they accuse everyone of trying to kill them. They they, choose, they accuse Moses, they accuse Aaron, they accuse God of all trying to kill. These are still wicked people. These are just disobedient, immature, self-centered, they're carnal, they're weak and moody. You guys ever been hangry? Yeah. This is hangry right here. In the Bible, the Bible invented hangry. No, it's it, it describes a very real situation where we get weak and our blood sugar drops and we get so right? Amen to that, right? Weak and moody, all right? So the Lord, look what happens. So the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain fire from heaven on those no good, dirty, rotten, ungrateful, lackluster losers. It didn't say that? Oh, I will rain. Well, that's what they deserve, though. They deserve fire. They are just those ungrateful people who God handpicked to be his children. This is what those people deserve. God doesn't see them as they are, though. I mean, he knows that they're awful right now. But he sees what he is going to do for them. He knows that he's going to provide bread for them. He knew that they were going to be hungry. Moses is shocked that they're complaining about hunger, but he really shouldn't be. You know, God, he he sees our current state of self-centeredness, but he backs up and he sees all that he is going to do in your life of pouring grace into your life. And he invites you to try to see things from his perspective, which is, I love you and I will never leave you. And I'm going to take care of all of your needs. That is his perspective. And he invites us and says, I want you to grow slowly. I'm not requiring you to grow all at once, but I'm going to work on transforming who you are into a, a child that trusts their father and not a child that always doubts their kid, their dad. He's not discouraged, and he's not ever going to be convinced to abandon you because you are his special project. He sees what you're going to become. See, the gospel which is all of God's work in our lives, right? It is not about who you are or what you do, but it's about who God is, which is love and what he does for you. He loves you and he gives his life for you in sacrifice on the cross and in daily fellowship. Daily fellowship is a way that he gives his life to you. So instead of, I'm going to rain fire from heaven, we see something else, which is called grace. Grace is his response. When they cry out and complain about their hunger, a real need. I mean, were they wrong for saying we're hungry? No, it's it's okay to say that you're hungry. And God is not upset with them for being hungry. We're going to see this time after time after time. God never gets upset with them when they say, we're hungry. But Moses, he gets pretty frustrated by it. Because Moses hasn't yet learned how God works yet with grace. No, God's response is grace. And he says, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Bread from heaven. And we know this is called manna. Manna, That's right. Jody, what's your last name? Boom. This was just for you, right? Jody manna. (laughs) I love that. So God says uh, he will give them exactly what they need, not what they deserve. Oh, that's crazy, because they deserve, all right, right, fire, but but he gives them what they need. Can we just think about that love for just a minute, how much God loves them? We're going to learn about this manna being miraculously supplied every single day, but I want us to remember that this is a daily, continual act of deep love of grace by their father. He is never in 40 years, going to skip a day where they're supposed to have food. He is going to be faithful to always give them what they need every day. He, no matter how much they blow it, no matter how much they doubt, no matter what they get into, and they get into some weird stuff. I mean, they're going to be worshiping Idols and snakes are going to come bite them and kill them. And we see all kinds of craziness during this 40 years. But God never says, I'm going to punish you by taking away grace. I always will supply it to you. And this bread, I liken it to the love God gives us. This bread today, as we're studying this manna, represents the word of God. Okay? got your Bible here. This is your manna, all right? That's how we're going to look at it this week. Next week, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to look at it as this manna representing Jesus, okay? So that's next week. But this week, we're looking at it as the word. Next week, Jesus. And what's Jesus' name? He is the, the word, right? He's the word incarnate. He's the word uh, as a person. And so we see that there's already a connection there, but we'll see it really explained next week. The Word of God is our spiritual source of food. So you get hungry, right? And you get hangry, and, and it bothers you. Well, your spirit doesn't get fed by pancakes. It gets fed by the Word of God. Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy, said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from God. So eating the Word of God is going to, we're going to see, it's going to be vital for your spiritual life. Weak, sickly, skinny, disease-ridden Christians go to church every Sunday, and they think that that will get them through for the week. And they go six days without the Word of God. And then so there's that clever little saying, six days without the Word of God makes one weak. <laughs> I like that one too. So we get now to our first lesson, okay? It said the bread came down from where? Heaven. Heaven. Not from the clouds, not from the sky, from heaven. So this bread is supernatural. It's bread from heaven for you. Manna is not of this world, right, Jody? That's right. (laughs) It's not something, listen, It's not something you can manufacture or produce on your own, yourself. You cannot cultivate spiritual nourishment, spiritual food. You can't do it. It just appears as a gift from God each morning. Isn't that amazing? Each and every day, God promises, I will give you what you need spiritually. Open up the Word, and it will be a gift given to you. Well, what if I don't believe? Then you're not going to see it. You're either not going to open up the Word of God, or you're going to open up the Word of God doubting, and it's just going to sound like mumbo-jumbo, and you're going to be like, I feel like I'm wasting my time. We don't want that. Okay? So what we do is we come to the Word of God every morning, like they are going to go and gather their manna every single morning, and... We come to it expecting to earn it? No. To receive a gift. To receive from the Lord spiritual nourishment. Now, sometimes it's going to be more tasty than others. Sometimes we're going to understand it more than other times. But it doesn't matter what you feel like you're getting because what you're getting is what you need for that day. How do you know that? Because I believe it. Because God says it. I will give you what you need. Well, all he talked to me about this morning when I was reading the Bible was forgiving people. Hmm. Maybe you guys can finish that discussion, right? Maybe the Lord wants you to work on receiving his work in your heart to forgive people, you know? Well, I don't understand what I read this morning. It was just crazy, but I believe that God used it, great, than he did. I don't know how it worked, but it's supernatural. It's from heaven, and I know that your spirit, even though you were reading some genealogy, because you sat there and you gave the Lord time, and you said, Lord, work in my heart. Lord, speak to me, and you read these names. We're going to talk a little bit later about how we can chew on that stuff, but just believe that God, gives you this gift every single day he is faithful all right now i want to read something to you an omer was supposed to be gathered if we're down in our text in a little while we're going to get to this but i want to bring it up now it says we were supposed to gather an omer for each person and how many people are here there's over 2 million uh, approximately 2 million people an omer is equivalent to six pints, so every person got six pints of food every day. Okay, Now, that would be 12 million pints or nine million pounds every day that God supplied, which would be 4,500 tons, which, if you had 10 trains and each train had 30 cars and each car had 15 tons, that's how much would be needed to bring that much food in every single day to these people. That is crazy. Over a million tons of manna would be gathered every year and it lasted for 40 years. Is there any shortage in God's storehouse of grace? No. How willing is God to pour out resources for us? Wow! I mean, he supplied trainload and trainload, and it just was perfectly scattered where the people could get to it. Because we're going to see, they don't have to wander out into the wilderness to get it, but it's right outside their door. God says, "Just I'm going to give it to you. Just get up and seek me. Come out. It's not far. It's not hard. Now, how do we, how do we apply this to our life? When you wake up, open the Word of God and eat. Feast. See what's going on there. You know, seek the Lord in the morning. And, that, and he is willing to give you this gift from heaven. He's got so much in heaven, he just pours it out on anyone who would seek him. Do you think God is up in heaven and he just wishes not so many people would seek him? He's like, oh, we're running low on manna. We're running low on spiritual energy and life. I think, I wish, just you know what, let's put some standards here. Let's say you really have to seek me. Let's have that be the standard. No, he says, anyone who will just seek me with a heart of trust, I will pour out all that they need. I'm not running out of life. I'm the author of life, the source of life. So, come on, seek the Lord. He'll give it. All right, lesson number two was it was given every day. So our text here says, And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota, which we know is an omer, every day that I may test them. What? Whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. What is going on here? He says this everyday thing is a test. God is training his people there in school how to live by grace. He says, every day, I want you to come and get a gift. Come and receive a gift. Don't come and earn a gift. Stop that. Don't do that. Come and receive from me a gift. Philippians 4.19 an awesome verse and it says my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus every day god is training his people to live by his grace it is not about what you do for me every day god says it's about what i am going to do for you You think you're reading the Bible to to discover me? To figure something out about me? To do something for me? No. I am washing your feet. I am blessing you. I am pouring out on you my love and my life as you read the word of God. That's your act of faith, not of works. It's not an act of works to open up the Bible. It's an act of faith. Every day is the key word. They are supposed to get fed every day. And it's going to test them. It's going to show whether they desire to serve God and walk in his ways or whether they still want to do their own thing. Why don't we do our devotions in the morning? Because we have our life to live. We have our own things we want to do, and we still rebelliously think that we're in charge of our life and what we do every day. If Jesus has saved you, you belong to him. Your life belongs to him. And he says, I will supply all that you need in relationship with me, but your life is mine. Make no mistake about it. His way is to receive each day all that we need by grace as a gift. That is God's way he has set up. He doesn't give you a week's worth on Monday. You can't just read your Bible once on Monday and it feeds you fruit through the week. We'll see what happens with that. Our way is to just go out and figure things out on our own, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to work today. Man, I'm just angry. I don't really know why. Gosh, I really don't have love for people. I don't know why. Gosh, I'm self-centered. And then we repent, right? Because we're like, oh. Lord, I didn't even seek you. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Our way is to go out and figure it out on our own. Maybe I do this, maybe I do that, maybe at work, maybe it's in the money, maybe it's in fun, maybe it's in relationships. I got all these things that I seek out my life in. But he sets up a system where every day they receive life from his word to receive and satisfy their hunger and need he says, I will give it to you. I will take care of it. Christians can be so annoying. Because when you're, when you're not in the word every day, you're like, oh my gosh, all they ever talk about is the Bible. They're just talking about the word of God, and it's just, blah, 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 and it's just annoying. But once you start reading the Bible, you become that person. You're like, oh my gosh, Every morning he speaks to me. Every morning he meets my needs. Every morning I have something to share, and it's just wonderful. Can I tell you about it? And they're like, now you're one of those annoying people. Right? Well, I hope you all become that way. I hope that we do. Then Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, "'At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt.'" And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. For he hears your complaints against the Lord. But who are, what are we that you complain against us? So Moses and, and Aaron, they're like, this is not fair, guys. We just work here. This is above our pay grade. But Moses actually has great faith in God. He sees and he believes that these promises are going to be fulfilled. Then Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Ah, there's Moses got to the real problem. They doubt God's love. They doubt God's provision. They doubt God's grace. They're not believing in God's grace right now. But God loves these kids too much, So he guides them still and he gives them what they need still. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. When we are doubting and and when we're uh, doubting God's love and his faithfulness and his ways, God says, all right, why don't you come and we'll talk about it. Draw near to me. And let's have a conversation, read my word, learn my heart. Give me a chance to explain myself. Yes, you're hungry. It's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm going to provide all that you need. Come and seek him. God is not playing hard to get. He is wanting to be found. You know that's what the scripture says, right? So how do we draw near in true humility and honest faith? Saying, God, I need you, and I'm going to believe your words. Not in fake words and and doubt. Let's go to church and find out what God has to say. There's two ways you you can say that. You can say it with doubt and sarcasm. Let's just go to church and find out what God has to say. All right, let, let not that person think they're going to receive anything from the Lord, right? But let's go to church and hear what God has to say. Totally different heart, totally different attitude, right? I'm going to seek the Lord in his ways or I'm going to seek the Lord in his ways. Matthew chapter 15 verse 8, Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God knows how we're drawing near to him. God knows how you open up the Bible in the morning. Well, it's time for me to put in my time. All right. Right? Oh, dad wants to do devotions again. Or I want to hear what God has for my life. I want to hear what he has for me. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp and when the layer of dew lifted there on the silver surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground so the children of Israel saw it and they said to one another what is it for they did not know what it was and Moses said to them this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat so lesson number 3 eat it Eat it. We have to eat this bread. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16. Jeremiah said, Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was like uh, to me like the joy of rejoicing from my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So the word of God was supposed to be eaten by these people daily, by us daily. Now, We're going to talk real quick about three parts, three uh, uh, ways, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Three arenas of eating, three um, phases of eating. The first phase is portion control, right? If you walk into a supermarket, you don't eat everything in the supermarket, right? Well, the Bible is like a supermarket, okay? So there's a lot there. So you can't read all of it every morning. God says, just go in and pick a little something for yourself. Portion control, right? And take a little bit and that's your portion. You know, food does no good in the supermarket unless you put it on your plate and eat it yourself, right? It does no good. You can starve to death in a grocery store if you don't sit down and eat Well, same thing. We have all the nutrition we could need for our life and our spirit in this book. But if we don't sit down and eat just a little bit, you're going to starve to death and you're going to feel that hunger and your spiritual life will vanish away and waste away and you'll be wondering, why do I have no love? And why don't I feel like going to church? And why does worship seem so dry to me? And it just, everything sucks. Why? Because You're not spiritually healthy. That's why. Because you haven't been eating in the Word. Portion control. Take a portion. A very practical advice. Maybe just take one verse and write it down and memorize that verse for the day. Go over that verse. Maybe at lunchtime after you've prayed through it in the morning and looked at it and wrote it down on a piece of paper maybe look up the cross-references for it. Just in your Bible, there's a little middle part that's got the cross-references, and just look at a couple of those verses that connect to that verse. You're just chewing on it throughout the day. Okay, so just a portion. Don't try to overload, I'm going to read the whole book of John today. Doesn't doesn't work. Alright, the second part to eating. First part is portion control. Second part is chewing. The big word is mastication. That means you meditate on it. You don't if you don't chew food, I looked this up this week, you can get a disease from swallowing whole food. Do you know that? You, your, your insides can't take it. So what chewing does is it increases the surface area of your food so that your intestines can do their work on it. And you won't get all the nutritional value out of your food if you don't chew it. It can even be dangerous. You could choke on it, right? But chewing takes time. My first date with Dana, we went to uh, Casa Bonita. Explains so much, right? The greatest land of joy and fiesta in the whole world. I love Casa Bonita. And I love it so much that I don't really chew my food. I just eat it very, very quickly. And so we sat down to eat our meal and and we're eating, and I finished all my meal before she had even taken a bite. I was just like, "Om, om, om." I'd been a single guy for a while, and I'd forgotten everything. <laughs> so, so, and she was like, "Uh, this is weird," because she's like just starting her meal, and I'm like done. And uh, yeah, slowing down is what chewing is about. In the, in your walk with God, as you open up the Bible, slow down, and we read one verse over and over, and meditate upon it. You know, some sections you may read a whole paragraph, depending on what it is. But what do we do? You ask questions about it. Why this? Why that? And you look at each word. Why did you use this word and not a different word? Um, you, You pray through it. You memorize it by repeating it over and over and over. Um. This is how the Word of God is supposed to be chewed. It's designed to be handled this way. It's not designed to read huge chunks at a time, although you can do that, but you get the most nutritional value out of it when you take time. And meditation is a lost art in our society. But Psalm chapter 1 tells us that his delight, the man of God's delight, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Try it. Try it. I've been this week. I've been. I took. I started a new thing. Um, actually, your brother encouraged me to do this, but um, I, t- I got a, a notebook and I started in the book of James. And I'm just doing one verse in the book of James every day. And I write it in there in the morning and I just think about it all day long. And I've been quizzing myself with Dana and just memorizing each book. And I've already gone, it's been like six days and I'm already through six verses of the book of James. And I'm like pretty excited about it. It's pretty cool. All right, our text goes on. It says, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let each man take for those that are in his tent. Notice that it didn't just fall in their mouths. They didn't wake up with manna in their mouth, just an angel's just moving their jaw to chew it, right? It was just right outside their tent. They had to do a little bit of work but it was a work of faith they had to just walk outside their tent and dive into the life of Jesus the life of God the nutrition of God offered for them just like you you got to you got to take us a moment sit down with your bible open it up and let the nutrition come okay pray say lord feed me give me what i need It wasn't far or hard, but they needed to get up and do it. Then it says, The children of Israel did so and gathered, some more and some less. So they measured it by omers. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Isn't that amazing? Boy, that speaks a lot to our Bible reading. Even comprehension. God is not asking you to comprehend everything. He knows there's different levels of intelligence that can comprehend other things and not, and he's saying that's not the point. I'm going to feed you. If you come to me, that's the point. Coming to him, opening up the word in faith, not how smart you are to understand all the connections and stuff like that. That's not the point. In fact, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? Every man gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. Ew, and Moses was angry with them. I would be too if my house was filled with worms. So they gathered it every morning, each man according to his need, and, and when the sun became hot, it melted. So I, t- I take this, and, and I, I see kind of in this that when God gives you something in the morning, do it. Don't leave it till tomorrow. Okay, God, you told me I should work on forgiving this morning. All right, I'll work on that tomorrow. He says... Don't do that. It'll breed worms and stink. It won't be as fresh and nutritional as it is when obedience just happens in the moment. This is what you say? Okay, God, I'm going to go do that. That's my plan for the day, is to do what you just told me. All right. And so it was... On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath. Rest and a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you bake today and boil what you boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid up till morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor was there any worms in it. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there shall be none. Now it happened that when some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you you refuse to keep my commandments and laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name manna, which means, what is it? So they literally named this bread, what is this stuff? Hey, do you have some what is it? (laughs) I think that's funny. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste was like wafers made with honey. That's interesting, and, the, and then Moses said, "This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omar with it, and uh, to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread which with which I fed you in the wilderness, and then I brought you out of the land of Egypt." And Moses said to Aaron, "Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it, and lay up lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations, as the Lord has commanded Moses." So Aaron laid up. For, uh, before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So the Lord tells Moses, I want you to put a, one omer of this in a pot. And we find out later that this is a golden pot. Okay, And this pot is going to be placed, it's one of the two things placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, As they go throughout all their generations, he wanted them to learn this same lesson that these people are learning, which is that his grace will meet us every single day. And he will provide for all of our needs every single day. And so he puts a golden pot of this in the Ark of the Covenant, and it lasts for thousands of years probably still there today if we knew where the ark of the covenant was there's probably a golden pot in it filled with this manna and even though the manna deteriorated in their practical everyday life and then it ended at a certain point this manna is saved supernaturally forever Um, and it speaks of the word of god being pure forever and being saved forever and being uh, for every generation the same and that's our study for today the manna Amen? All right.